3: Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Tuesday, August 15th. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. John, thanks for joining us.
2: Glad to be here, Michelle.
3: Um, I have been away, actually. I've been away to a bachelor party. Uh, So I apologize this past weekend for not having time to get a brand new show on. Uh, I I mean, it's kind of – I have to explain how different – the experience my life has been just simply because I fell in love with someone who's from a different country. And so now, you know, she's, she lives here now and everything's new for her. But it's changed my life in mm-hmm. so many ways. And it's not as easy as, you know, hey, honey, I'm leaving to Vegas with a bunch of friends to a bachelor party. Um, and yes, there will be debauchery. And there's this whole saying you know, that uh, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And she just was kind of, I think, irritated and also uh, didn't understand the whole American culture of bachelor-bachelorette party. You know, you do this big old party before you get married. So I had to explain that, one. But two, um, I didn't want her to stay, you know, home by herself, and she's still learning the bus systems she doesn't speak English uh, as her first language. Uh, I think she would be fine, but but I had to figure out a way to get her back home, to stay with my parents. And, you know, at least my parents uh, and her can speak and watch Thai movies. Like, it was just this entire process. So by the time I got to Vegas, I was so exhausted. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to tell that story in case, you know, people just, uh, I just want to give that insight that, that, that <laughs> uh, things changed. You know, especially when you're LGBTQ and you're living uh, as an immigrant family, and you're navigating through uh, Trump's America, things become way stressful very quickly. And so waking up to the news of Charlottesville was absolutely shocking. Well, I, I can't say shocking. I can't say shocking, to be honest with you. But I definitely was scared and angered and sad that we're still going through this what was shocking to me in a lot of ways was uh, to see many young people who are part of you know, that group. So we'll talk about Charlottesville. Let's get today's program started. Today's uh, show is brought to you by P- Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Um, So we have a special guest with us today on the phone, and it's my good friend Melanie Nathan, who served on the board of San Francisco Pride with me, but she's also the executive director of African Human Rights Campaign and also um, is from South Africa. And we had this great conversation just yesterday in talking about, you know, these protests that are happening, these so-called protests for the alt-right, which started out in Charlotte. I I don't want to say started out, but what provoked our conversation was the Charlottesville protests. And now there's news or reports that these guys are looking to come to the Bay Area as part of their tour. So let's hear from, you know, uh, Mel, who's on the phone with us, as well as uh, John and and talk about kind of what do we do about this? And what are our thoughts? and, And especially what are our thoughts around the whole Charlottesville thing? Melanie, thank you so much for
1: joining us. Thanks for having me on, Michelle. I really appreciate it.
3: Um, okay, first, you know, let's start off by trying to tear down, you know, what, what happened in Charlottesville. There's some people who are shocked, like I had mentioned, I I might have even started using the word shock, but then I, you know, retracted and said, no, no, I'm not that shocked because, uh, I know that we still live in a pretty racist country, but what's shocking is, you know, just the amount of young people as well as, um, uh, I think the, uh, the, the, bravery the courage i don't know to to organize in this way to, to be blunt about you know racism or, or something like that so let's start with you kind of let's navigate yeah. your thoughts
1: yeah so just to put to encapsulate you know hundreds i think maybe even as many as a thousand white supremacists kKk nazis holding torches shouting racial ethnic and religious epithets Uh, against black people, against Jewish people, chanting Nazi slurs, waving confederate and Nazi flags, uh, with giant swastikas, showed up and um, marched around Charlottesville. And a counter-protest ensued as a result of it, and as we know, it led to violence, and unfortunately, very sadly, the death of um, a young woman, Heather, and um to police officers as well you know these it's more than just a hateful message there's an agenda it's a very clear agenda and it was really interesting to hear uh the ex-kkk leader tell this uh duke david duke when he basically um pretty much thanked trump for them all being there and this is something that was bound to happen so you're right it was not a shock um How it didn't happen sooner, I don't know. And it's bound to escalate. Um, Donald Trump has courted and fostered these people right from the start of his campaign. And he emboldened them. I liken it to him being a huge, big chunk of cheese and him putting that piece of cheese outside a rat hole. Pretty soon a rat's going to come out and start to nibble on it. And the bigger the cheese gets, the more rats are going to come, and they're going to chomp on that thing till it's all done, and if he keeps moving it further and further away from the hole, they're going to keep coming more and more out. And that's how I see these people. As as awful as that description sounds, in order for you to be a member of the KKK or a Nazi, you have to be pretty debauched in your thinking. And what, what's so profoundly different is that, in essence, they've taken off their hoods and they're showing you who they are. The cameras are going right up to their faces. They don't seem to care that an employer will see them, that uh, maybe you know somebody important who who could um, influence their lives could see them. They feel so entitled. It's beyond emboldened, and they are open about their racism. It's it, it's just um, not shocking that it happened, but at the same time, mind blowing.
2: Melanie, what did you think about the reaction online from, you know, uh, fellow students and employers and family of some of these, uh, particularly the the younger folks who were, uh, pro, who were with this white nationalist march, where they took to identifying these people and basically kind of running them to ground?
1: Um, so let me try and understand your question. Can, can you um, are you asking me the people that oppose them?
2: No, no, no. The the white nationalist marchers who were identified ah. online, and you know, at least one of them lost his job. Uh, another family disowned him. Uh, you know, they, they, there's been this this very uh, diversified it's the wrong word, but you know, this effort across the internet mm. to identify these white nationalists. So I see. Uh, yes. Yeah.
1: You know, this is what I think. If if you're going to tout these kind of beliefs. If this is what you truly believe, and you're going to come out and say it, you have the freedom to do that. We have freedom of speech in this country. And if people are going to shun you, expose you, and disown you for it, that comes with the territory. You have to be prepared for that. And so um, I think it's quite appropriate. And if somebody in my family came out as a member of the KKK or if one of my employees came out as a member of the KKK, I would do the same. I I don't want to be associated with people that believe that they are the only people who are entitled to walk on American land. You know, this is what it all boils down to. It boils down to purifying, as in their definition thereof. It boils down to extermination so that you can purify. I mean, in essence... That's what this all boils down to. You know, as a Jewish person and having had a lot of contact with um, Holocaust survivors, um, my own two children's grandparents are Holocaust survivors. I know what it means when somebody belongs to the Nazi party or holds that flag. And if they don't fully understand it, maybe being disowned will help them fully understand it.
3: Melanie, uh, you know John brings up a great point, and also used a description of these folks as white nationalists, and uh, and we're hearing, you know, alt right, uh, which for a lot of us who you know have uh, who at least know of the history, we have other terms for those types of people, and so these mm. new terms are like the evolution of of people who fall in line with KKK ideologies or values or neo Nazi. uh uh, ideologies and um which is you know purely hate and evil especially if you're asking a jewish person um so my question you know to you is like what your thoughts are about the mistaken identity and 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 how dangerous it is to normalize these types of people who are falsely going around saying that all they're fighting for is for the freedom of speech that you know the liberal crazy leftists are uh you know, just uh, 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 creating a situation in which they're painting them in the wrong way, which confuses, in my opinion, a lot of young, impressionable guys who are starving to be a part of something. So if they have this idea that the quote-unquote alt-right or white nationalists are taking back the Republican Party or conservative values are all standing on this platform of they're infringing on our right to free speech, Mm -hmm. I can see where, you know, some young kid could be like, mm-hmm. I want to join this because that's, that's what I'm standing on, is that nobody yeah. can, can take that away from me. Um, let's yeah. talk about that.
1: I have strong thoughts on that, and I think the mainstream media and even us activists have a huge responsibility to refrain from calling it the, um, the alt-right. And um, I'll tell you why. All white nationalists because that legitimates it as a movement and provides the opportunity for, um, for these people to have something to identify with that seems so fresh and clean on some level. The old right and white nationalists, I think, are terms that should be, com- we should completely ditch and never use in mainstream media or in any form of media. I think we need to call it for what it is. We need to call people white American terrorists. We need to call people KKK. We need to call them white supremacists. And we need to call them Nazis. And I've come up with a little um, WAT—a what. What is a what? A what is a white American terrorist. Because ultimately that's what it boils down to. I don't know that anybody's going to want to identify with something like that as much as they might want to identify with alternate right, alt-right or white nationalists. So I think it's extremely dangerous. And we're playing into the, to, to the danger to create an umbrella movement that we are validating with our terminology. That's number one. Number two, freedom of speech is there. I think they quite ri- rightly won the case to be able to demonstrate in Charlottesville. What was not okay was that the university did not find, uh, provide the protection or security that was needed. What was not okay was that um, a whole lot of uh, people were trapped in a church as these people terrifyingly walked by with these torches. And um, so citizens were not safe. And there is an absolutely brilliant piece that you must watch. Um, if you simply Google Vice and Charlottesville, you will see a Vice reporter in bed with, um, you know, she wasn't hidden, very bravely in bed with uh, one of the um, one of these uh, KKK guys. And I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to give him any validity. He has a Facebook site. He's got 20,000 followers. He kind of in part led this march. And he is so narcissistic, and and he's another Hitler. And he's um, so speaking glory that I won't even mention his name, but he is in that vice piece. And um, you will see in that vice piece towards the end of it, it's about 20 minutes long. It's on HBO. They um, show you him in his hotel room, and you should see the weaponry, the automatic weapons that this guy pulled off his body. He went to that march with those automatic weapons. So here's the thing, freedom of speech is one thing. Now he's gonna turn around and say, oh, I took those weapons to protect myself because those violent leftists were coming after me. Well, we all know that's not the case and we all know he's spinning it that way. Exactly. So, here, so you know, he had his freedom of speech, he abused it. And, right. the, and, the, and the backup that should have been there was not there. So now uh, this group is coming to San Francisco.
3: And let's let's talk about that. But uh, I'm going to take a quick break and we come back. Let's talk about, you know, what we can do, what we should do, um, how we should respond as a city, first of all, uh, as far as supposedly being one of the most liberal cities in the country. So don't go away when we come back. We'll continue our conversation about Charlottesville, the uh, the the what i i melanie gave us a series of (laughs) terms to call them uh (laughs) or white terrorists or kkk we'll we'll talk about this more when we come back
0: babe i think we're ready we're really doing this yeah i'm ready for our family
3: So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit
2: PacificFertilityCenter.com. The Commonwealth Club of California is the nation's leading public forum, engaged with the most important issues of the day. More than 450 times each year, we feature programs on politics, LGBT issues, literature, science, entertainment, and more. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play, watch our videos on YouTube and Facebook, and when you're in the Bay Area, join us in person for our daily programs. Learn more about the club at commonwealthclub.org.
3: This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay.
2: and now back to the michelle meow show
3: welcome back thank you so much for joining us here on this tuesday august 15th i'm michelle meow your host john zipper of commonwealth club is here with us and on the phone is our special guest melanie nathan who is the executive director of the human rights uh sorry african human rights campaign and also um a, a board member for San Francisco Pride, and we're talking about Charlottesville, uh, but now we're going to turn our attention to the fact that the, this group of uh, racist people, I'm just going to call them uh, for what it is, and uh, hateful people, white supremacists, want to come and, and protest in the Bay Area, which suppos- supposedly the San, uh, San Francisco is one of the most liberal progressive cities. And I believe it. I think that it's just kind of slowly turning or or it's not going to be the first time that we have witnessed these groups who've come out to protest as we had witnessed one uh, several months ago in Berkeley, Berkeley of all places. Well, and they're
2: coming back to Berkeley. And the reason they're coming to these places is because they're liberal. They, they, well, they're not coming here because they think, this is going to be their big membership drive, except for other, other <laughs> people seeing it uh, outside who are yeah. like, aha, the liberals are picking on you guys.
3: Yeah. And let's not yeah. forget Milo Yiannopoulos, who uh, I, w- you know, I hate to bring up his name. And, and he has become a has been at this point. But he was the poster boy for um, for this group, you know, for for a little while, and especially for Steve Bannon's former. Uh, publication or internet site and uh, remind me again their uh, sturmer yeah uh, um, Breitbart Breitbart there you go and uh, but anyway so so Melanie you started to say something yeah. about the fact that you know if they're yeah. coming to the Bay Area we were successful by the way in a lot of ways in uh, you know Milo not being able to do his thing it, but but it did get it did get violent I have to be honest uh, but go ahead
1: Yeah. So here's what's interesting. I've gone onto their Facebook page, and they already have their permit to come to Chrissy Field, which I believe is um, under the jurisdiction of the federal government. So they already have their permit, interestingly, federal. Uh, That said, they're entitled to that permit. They can, you know, come and exercise their right to free speech. And they have turned their Facebook page Freedom Rally San Francisco. And it's hosted by Patriot Prayer. And I think that um, you and I are, all you know, we're intelligent enough to know that this is all, of course, a very clever or not so clever ruse or guise to have people believe that that's why they hear Freedom Rally. If they show up with guns on them, if they show up with uh, Nazi uh, symbols, and if they chant blood and soil, And Jews will not replace us, um, and other such chants. Well, we know they're there to instigate. So the big question is how do we respond to that? You know, do we just sort of turn our backs on them and not show up? Um, And it's a tough question, and a lot of people have different opinions about it. My opinion is coming from my own experience, and my own experience is that of a Jew who carries the DNA of all those who could not stand up to that Nazi flag. And so I feel at whatever risk to my physical well-being, I am going to go there and I'm going to face those people and those flags because um, that is also my right. And I am not a violent person. I'm a peace-loving person. I don't think I will change them or sway them from their violent intent or ways, but I think if I don't show up, then I am perpetuating silence. I'm going to show up wearing every, every single label I have. I'm going to show up being a Jew. I'm going to show up being a lesbian. I'm going to show up being an immigrant. I'm going to show up being um, a person who refuses to be silent.
2: Uh, now, they're, this is kind of like their national tour, I guess. They're also going to be in the East Bay. Are you going to go there as well?
1: Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go to both, but I'm certainly going to try. Mm-hmm.
2: And what?
1: And the, 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 the one, by the way, that, they, that I'm talking about is at Chrissy Field right. Beach, and it's Saturday, August 26th from 2 to 5, and I am hearing of a lot of people organizing counter-protests, some, some people have thought they would hold a counter protest at a totally different location. And that also might be a good response. Yeah. But, if, yeah.
3: S- sorry, no, I, I was just going to jump in here and talk about uh, th- th- this idea of protests. And I feel very strongly about the fact that. Um, I don't think that these people have a right to protest. I'm sorry. Like, I think that mm-hmm. hate speech should be banned. Um, I think that people who engage in hate speech or uh, provoke um, or promote, you know, just a, the, this idea of superiority and or harming other people who live peacefully here in this country um, should be criminalized. Um, that, that might, you know, I, I mean, what am I saying, you know, Michelle, I mean, look, it's, there's been so many years and years and years of racial issues or racism that has happened here in this country. And, and, and the reality is that we have institutionalized policies and legislation that absolutely create, um, you know, disproportionate, uh, percentages of oppression for a lot of different groups. And until we actually, treat people who w- want to maintain these systems of superiority over other uh, race or gender and and not believe in equality of all people which is what we strive for right every man and woman made equal here in this country um we're we're, we're always going to be arguing about who's right or who's mm-hmm. wrong mm-hmm. and and I think that these people are are wrong and there's also a level of I, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, yeah. there. It's not like you you have a huge percentage of the American population who are marching in solidarity with these people and believing in their their issues. Uh, I'm I'm going to guess that you know these people are are a lot smaller than the general population than um, even you know Trump supporters. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, uh, and I'm going to say that uh, they've got issues They're They're pe- how yeah. did, you asked me something yesterday that made a lot of sense. You said, how the heck did we allow, uh, you know, for 60 or 600 million Jewish people to be exterminated? Um, go with that question. And I'm going to say yeah. that every human being has a, a choice when it comes yeah. to harming somebody. And yeah. if you're consistently making the wrong choice and able to go home and sleep at night after you've killed somebody over and over and over and over and over or, or involved in mass killings of people, there's something innately evil about you. Mm, and yeah. we should address the fact that, I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people that we should address these people with compassion. And it's like, how? Uh, how? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Michelle, let me say this is the thing here. This is what I think. And I learned this lesson from the father of a gay soldier who died in Afghanistan. Andrew Wolfhart was a gay soldier during Don't, mm-hmm. Don't Tell who died in Afghanistan. And his dad, Jeff Wolfhart, told me that he uh, accepted that Westboro Baptist Church was allowed to come to his son's funeral to protest. And I thought, my God, this man has such a huge heart. How can he even think that? And he said the First Amendment. He he said Andrew carried the Constitution in his pocket, and it was in his pocket when he was blown up in Afghanistan. And he will always hold that Constitution so close to his own heart that he would so much as give his son's haters their freedom to speak. So here comes the question. Where do we draw the line between hate speech and your freedom to speak it and that it crosses over into inciting violence? And that is the red line. And I don't know how to navigate that. There are countries like South Africa where hate speech is against the law. You can go to jail for hate speech. But the problem in a country as diverse as America is who's going to be the master of determining what is hate speech? So it's it's a very difficult thing to navigate. What I would like to mention here is Trump supporters that are not part of this group that you alluded to, that Trump supporters that are not the KKK, that are not considering themselves white supremacists. I think the bigger discussion right now is how those Republicans are not standing, banging down the damn door of the White House and telling that piece of work to leave. It is those supporters right now of Trump after Charlottesville, who should be banging down those doors, not us liberals and not us Democrats. Of course, we're going to do that. But I want to see the Republicans come out and, tell, and get rid of Trump. I'm hearing our activists say, get rid of Bannon, get rid of um, Stephen Miller, get rid of uh, Gawker. No, thank you. Get rid of Trump.
3: Anything to say about that, John, since you do your week-to-week political roundtable talk? I mean, there's also the the discussion of leadership or lack thereof here in this country. Yeah,
2: and Trump really revealed himself uh, and did get blasted by quite a few Republicans, um, Republican senators in particular. Um, Orrin Hatch said, you know, my brother did not die, you know, fighting Nazis so that, you know, we can— I forget his exact words, but so that we can let Nazi ideas go on here, un, unchallenged. Um, and of course, it took him two days, the president, two days before he came out and clearly read from a teleprompter a speech, naming these various groups and saying they were bad and hateful. Um, and I think that's definitely one of those cases where you can go with your first impressions of him, you know. And his first uh, reaction to this was to. Try to make it sound as if you know both sides are equal you know that's what the the game that he likes to play and uh we started off talking about um you know david duke and and what some of these groups have said about their relationship to trump and trumpism and uh you know even after because he waited two days before he came out and, and said something that you know any normal President, white or black, would have, would have said within an hour of the of the uh, events, um, they were they were saying, yeah, we we know exactly what he was doing, know, you know, he, he didn't come out and then stake his, his position against us. He by the way he did it and when he did it, he showed that uh, he's still in our camp. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, if you read now on those people's social media. Um, It's kind of a double whammy because the fact that Trump came out 48 hours later and stood like a petulant teenager forced to read a speech written by his parents, they see that as him having been forced. And they're saying that on social media and they're saying, oh, um, uh, you know, the, the president was forced to say this and now he can continue to pretend to them that he's on their side while he's really on our side. So they're using it as a way of continuing to enhance the, the, you know, the idea that they're with him. You You know, they came out to do his bidding. They came out to do what he promised would happen during his campaign. And so he has a huge accountability and he's not being taken to task in a way that he should be. I mean, yes, we, at this point it's all lip service when, when we hear from Orrin Hatch or, or people in, in, in the Republican Party speaking out against him and even our own democratic, um, you know, political leaders. I think we, this, we need to look what, what, what is actionable that can actually make this change. Um, you know, in Parliament, uh, in other countries, they have a system whereby if the majority in government has a, um, a, a lack of confidence in their leadership, they have a way to get rid of the, the top leader, the, the prime minister, and get somebody else in. You know, mm-hmm. why isn't the GOP... I know we don't have it built into our system other than through impeachment measures, but I mean... We should not be waiting for the Russian investigation. Idealistically, with something like this happening in any other country, the, the majority party would come out and get rid of their leader.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I should note, uh, you know, in Germany, by the way, that hate speech is criminalized or banned and that there yeah. are certain gestures or things that... Uh, if, if, if There are laws against Holocaust denial. So... I think, you know, some of my friends pointed out that there had been reports of people who have been jailed for, you know, um, uh, promoting the Nazi flag. Well, I mean, two
2: two stories recently just came out. Uh, Two Chinese tourists took photos of themselves in front of the Reichstag doing the Hitler salute. They were arrested. They were fined and booted out of the country. Um, And then a few days ago, I saw a story where some American tourist... Uh, allegedly drunk, but still, you're responsible when you're drunk. Yeah. Um, did you know? Did the Nazi salute, and someone mm-hmm. slugged him, and <laughs> and mm-hmm. he was also arrested yeah. and, and fined. Yeah,
3: I, and I think that that sends a clear message to the world. I really. think that
2: sends a great message about Germany, which is that yeah. you yeah. know, we don't have a yeah. sense of humor about this. We right. know exactly what happened. Right. We know what this country did, and we know right. these ideas are not. Uh, they're not cheeky. They're not. Oh, you're you're being a rebel. They're. You're putting yourself on the side of people who committed extermination.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
1: That was, that was and that was a big part of what Michelle and I, our our discussion yesterday, where we noted that Germany has gone to great lengths to take responsibility, and America has, I don't believe, gone to anywhere remote lengths to take responsibility. For example, for and make reparation for slavery. So we have this um, undercurrent that's been there for decades without remedy. And, you know, that remedy might not be to silence people in the way that they've had to do in Germany, but maybe there wouldn't be had there been some kind of education thing or something. I don't know what, but um, America's problem is that it's racism And which is manifesting now in anti-Semitism and racism and all forms of bigotry, was just there for so long and didn't go away and was never remedied.
3: I'm going to take a quick break right here, but uh, Melanie, I mean, this conversation is so good. I want to keep going on with it. I have some other questions, especially about uh, the position of law enforcement in these types of protests. And, uh, you know, I put those in air quotes. So stay with us if that's okay. Yeah. Don't go away. The Michelle Meow Show will continue right after this.
0: I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years. And uh, over the past couple months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody and that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know. You know, it's funny because I, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true. You know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, could I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like I forget that it's my place running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that uh, gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it. I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So, yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always try to like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it. You know what I mean? That's just always in my attitude, um, just to entertain people. And so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity.
2: and now back to the Michelle Meow Show.
3: Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here today on this Tuesday, August fifteenth. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us, and on the phone is Melanie Nathan, who is the executive director of the Human Rights African Human Rights Campaign. And I was, I was a, uh, you know, it's just so close to HRC. Um, so sorry about that, Mel. But also a fellow board member at San Francisco Pride, and we're talking about the incident at Charlottesville. But overall, uh, the this this uh, uh, this group of hateful, racist, white supremacist people, or you know who um, who all yeah, are in the news right now, and we're just trying to navigate. This conversation as best we can so right before the break Melanie I had brought up the, uh, the uh, people in law enforcement so mm. people who are supposed to protect and serve the American people but when they're there at these protests and there's a counter protests um, I, I, I don't know like you know exactly what happens other than what are they looking for they're just looking for if there are violent incidents and in pulling people apart when um, you know, Charlottesville, we heard of the tragedy of the man who drove into a counter-protest crowd. Um, having, you know, served in an organization where we have to think about large crowds, I'm 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 almost feeling as if there are certain things that law enforcement can be doing uh, in order to protect and serve the general American public. Um, but it feels like they're being very protective of these this this tiny group.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I think it's a very complex issue because in our, often in our, a lot in our spaces we don't want to see law enforcement because we don't trust law enforcement. And um, that's a sad thing right there. So, you know, there's remedying that needs to happen on that end of it. Uh, in, in other countries like uh, the United Kingdom, Law enforcement is not seen in the way as law enforcement is seen in America, and the, the, the racial profiling and the pr- police brutality we've seen here um, really speaks to why we don't trust law enforcement. The way I see it in these kind of protest scenarios is an, it's a, a, a powder keg, and the slightest thing can trigger something really awful. Um, that their, their job ought to be protective of all in an equal way, maybe creating barriers to avoid direct confrontation so people can't punch each other out and start with the violence. Um, and to that end, they would probably thwart a lot of the, the intention of those people that show up with weaponry, and already have their shields in place and their hard hats and their bulletproof vests or whatever. It's interesting that counter-protests on the Liberal side, you'll never see them armed. You'll never see them with bulletproof vests. I know Antifa's more prepared, and I'm not quite... I don't fully understand. Um, I'm I'm starting to read more about who they are and what they do, and I think they showed up in counter-protests. So I do believe there ought to be security. I do believe that there ought to be law enforcement. I do believe in the rule of law. I don't believe it should be a free-for-all, but it's tragic that we have to mistrust our police, and that something different needs to happen um, in the big scheme of things to make it different for this kind of thing. You, know, you want to know what my real wish for all this is? My real wish is that by us showing a strong social media presence right now, where we show a huge intention to show up and counteract these people that are going to invade our city, that that in and of itself will alert the federal government and authorities to the danger of them not pulling the permit that they have already given. I don't think... That then, at that moment, it's not a question of free speech. At that moment, it becomes protecting the city of San Francisco and its residents.
2: I should point out that Boston uh, did deny a, a permit uh, for a similar mar- uh, protest, for lack of a better word. Um, and uh, I think we've already identified the reason it's taking place here in San Francisco is it's on actual federally managed property along the, the Bay Shore. Um, Mark Farrell, who is the city supervisor whose district includes the Chrissy Field area, he issued a press release this morning, um, of course denouncing the group and their racism and, and admitting, you know, the, that, that, you know, the, the federal recreational parks, whatever its name is, group is the one that, that allowed this to happen, um, and certainly kind of echoing some of what both of you have just said about the need for, you know, protection for, uh, the residents and the counter-protesters, certainly.
1: I have a question that that you might be able to answer, John, Um, and pardon my ignorance on this. But so if it's on federal ground and the feds have issued the permit, who's charged with the security? Is that city and state?
2: I don't know. I do believe there's a police force on the the federal property parklands. Um, for those of you who are not from the Bay Area, know that there's a big chunk of the city that used, you know, the Presidio, used to be a military base. And when the, the government closed it as a military base, they, uh, basically turned it over to use by the city, but on the acknowledgement that the government's, the federal government still owns it, the park, parts of it that are parkland are still run by the federal park, uh, department. Uh, should the the military ever need it again, they would have to be given it. Um, So I I don't know exactly what would happen. On the other hand, even even if, for example, the city police were not allowed to uh, manage something that's going on on the federal parks land, you know, this is right up alongside a neighborhood and this is not going to stay confined if it if it goes bad
1: right yeah I mean, right.
2: how can it go well but you know if it gets violent and such it's not going to stay confined to christy field it's going to obviously spill over so i am sure we will see city police um probably out in in a fair amount of force um around the area to at least try to to do what they can to contain some uh, whatever mm. might go wrong um, but of course, the, these groups coming in, they're hoping something goes wrong. yeah you know they're hoping Antifa shows up and starts you know breaking windows and um, and they're hoping that uh, there are videos of them you know bad things I mean which is one of you brought up uh, 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 the Westboro Baptist Church? That's their thing too. you know they actually show up at all these ridiculous things and show just how horrible they are, and they're hoping yeah. that someone will uh, overreact to them because they right. they know the law and then they will go after that person
1: Right.
3: well Melanie I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and giving us your thoughts and uh, also how important it is to share your thoughts and your views as a Jewish person um, we really need to make that connection and remind folks of the horror and be honest and authentic about that conversation as well and, and not ride all over it and just uh, again normalize or make this into some media sensation as the news is making it uh, in a lot of ways. Um, mm. I, I mean, I just think that it's, it's a very, like I think that if we, we the, the harm in glazing over our history, uh, I, I think energizes young people to, to be misinformed and, and uh. then make the wrong decisions. Yeah. Be on the wrong side so of uh, history. In, in my opinion, yeah. show up and yeah. think that it's cool because it's the new, uh, the you know, the new thing to do or something. A new trend. That's I don't know. I think that that's what millennials do. They they're energized <laughs> to show up because they're so bored. <laughs> okay, um, now I'm joking. I, well,
2: I'll, I'll I'll take that out of a joke and make it kind of scary, which is that I've been reading about a number of these these folks who were in the, on the kkk or the neo nazis and such and so then they're, you know the reporters are talking to their family and their classmates and such um, and the pictures that's coming across is that these people know what they're representing mm-hmm. they they you know you're talking about the the one guy who was all in uh, he really thought the constant, the uh, extermination camps were really a good idea i mean wow. these oh, are not Jesus. these are not people who have just kind of oops, I kind of started liking a rock musician I thought was cool, and then it turns out he was a bad, and I didn't know that. I mean, this are, these are people who are specifically attracted to the absolute darkest areas of the human soul.
3: Yeah. Uh, again, Mel, thanks you, Thanks so much for joining us here on the program.
1: Thank you, Michelle and John. I really appreciate it. Take care, Mel.
3: All right, so should we try calling the... Uh, National Park Service, as everyone is suggesting that we do. I don't know if we'll, we'll get anyone. We could try.
2: Um, you can try, but you'll talk to uh, Secretary, who will tell you no comment.
3: <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what happens. Have, have they
2: posted anything on their website?
3: That's a good uh, question. Not on their Facebook page.
2: <laughs> I'm not seeing anything on their page specifically for Chrissy Field.
3: Yeah, I don't think they've posted any comments. Everything's been super positive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll see something in the next couple days.
2: We shall see. Um, I'm curious as to what shows of uh, involvement the White House and the Trump administration might make. And so, for example, there, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, is apparently reportedly looking into um, changing we're looking into uh, 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 civil rights violations or whatever, regarding the Charlottesville. I'm not sure a lot of folks particularly look to Jeff Sessions as a civil rights hero. Um, And when you know, people have seen the stories about the even the civil rights uh, division of the Justice Department, basically being packed with people who would not um, generally be associated with civil rights. Uh, But Still, there are some things that might be like easy moves that the White House make might make, not because it's changing its tune, but that it just needs to get beyond this. And that's kind of what uh, you'll see a lot of the uh, stories about why President Trump came out and made that statement yesterday, was that they actually were whacked around pretty hard, politically speaking. Do we know an email address that we can share with people that maybe want to write to the National Parks Service and uh, ask them to reconsider?
3: Yeah, we do actually. So Politely. Laura Joss is the Pacific West Regional Director and she can be reached um, via email at laura underscore Joss, J O S S, at nps.gov. Uh, or you can try calling the circuit line like we did, 415 623 2100. People are also saying that we should give the Golden Gate National Recreation Area uh, a call. So their number is 415 561 4720. That's 415 561 4720. And Cicely Muldoon is the general superintendent, uh, as well as Carrie, I'm going to screw this up, Firebend. That is tough. <laughs> Firebend. Fry um, Robin, Fry Robin, Fry Robin, um, something like that. Anyway, Carrie, uh, who's the deputy superintendent and they can be reached at G.O.G.A. underscore superintendent at N.P.S. dot um, So give that a try. That's that's for San Francisco. And then you'd mentioned that there are some other Bay Area protests being planned. Yes, I believe uh, there's
2: one in uh, Berkeley that they're basically returning there. Um, Is
3: that through the same?
2: I do not know that. I'm sorry.
3: No, it's okay. We could try to find out. Look at us, being activists on the air.
2: Yes. I don't know if any of you saw the video of the guy who uh, had organized the Charlottesville rally. Let's call it that. I think I
3: know what you're talking about.
2: Or he was chased away from the... (laughs) Actually, if you want to talk about the police, the police didn't help him until quite a while after he had been chased through the... Uh, the the bushes and, and knocked down and, and uh, right. roughed up and eventually when he ran into them they then turned around and pulled him back to behind a police line um, so I, I don't know what their rules are of engagement if you will and such things um, you'd like to see them step in before there's any violence but um, I think a lot of folks uh, probably got a bit of schadenfreude from watching him uh, <laughs> um. be chased away
3: yeah, so, I mean, again, uh, I don't know if you're watching any of their speeches, um, if you're following anything that they're saying. I mean, as, as far as, like, Twitter goes, a lot of them are talking about the fact that, you know, these liberal progressives are just as violent, if not more violent, and not allowing for them to, um, to their right of free speech. And so they don't ever talk about, I mean, they, they focus on that is just kind of where I'm going with it. And so I think for anybody who wants to, to offer any empathy or sympathy for these protesters, I mean, just be just based off of that, what we're, we're, we're here to do is tell you, you know, just to dig a little bit deeper. It's not the infringement of free speech that people are so angry about. People are angry about the fact that they stand for, I'm just going to call it evil. That's true. Evil. Okay, so I found out um, there is a rally, San Francisco and Berkeley. So the one in Berkeley.
2: I think it's a few days after the San Francisco one, am I correct?
3: Yeah, it's August 27th at Martin Luther King Jr. Civic Center Park in Berkeley. It's unclear, and you may not know this either, but did they uh, apply for these permits after the Charlottesville event or right before i mean why are we all of a sudden hearing of it now or
2: that's a good question i would suspect um it was after but berkeley is interesting right because we saw boston canceled or didn't issue a permit for one of these rallies uh san francisco couldn't so the national park service did grant the the permit berkeley i assume this park is a city park so um they apparently have uh, unless, I, unless I'm wrong, unless it's like somehow federal property or something within the city of Berkeley, uh, one might want to contact Berkeley if you're...
3: True, very true. Anyway, so to wrap up our thoughts about Charlottesville, and then I wanted to ask John a couple other things to, to also promote his week-to-week political roundtable talk. I think that the the most important thing is I don't think that we should tell each other how we should be reacting. I, mean, I think many people um, react in, in different ways, especially you know as far as like, history goes and or uh, how the country has dealt with racism and other countries have dealt with racism and the horror of the hol- Holocaust and such. And so this is not um, ideals or, or morals of, in my opinion, Amer- true American people. Like This is not a patriotic thing. This is a hate group. Uh, in which they actually have been branded as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. I know that in, in liber- liberal spaces, we tend to to do a lot of the this is what we need to do kind of talk. Uh, and uh, I think when we're talking about this, we should allow for folks to be able to respond in the way that they, they need to.
2: Um, I think that's a very good point.
3: Uh, so, John, you know, going back to we touched on Donald Trump and his response to this, but um, in the last couple of weeks, he has been a little quiet, uh, quiet as far as he went on quote unquote vacation.
2: Quiet for Trump, yeah. Um,
3: and you know, it's 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 almost scary at the fact that right before his vacation he threw a bunch of bombs and the, now there it's just like unclear as far as what those bombs are to update everybody what i mean by bomb is that he had said uh, uh one morning through twitter that transgender military service members were no longer allowed to serve in the military uh so current members would would i i guess um be discharged, honorably discharged of their uh, service? No?
2: It's not known if they would be honorably or dishonorably. Right. There are a group of transgender, uh, I, don't, I forget if it's service members current or past, um, because, of course, if, if it's past, they also have, and it becomes a dishonorable discharge if they do anything in retrospect, you know, would that affect their benefits and, and pensions and such? But anyway, there's a group who are, uh, who is uh, suing the Trump administration on this very fact, or suing the Pentagon, I'm not sure which and of course th- i'm to be honest i've looked at this and I, i'm i'm unclear the actual status of this i've you know i've heard that the pentagon has said well wait there's no policy yet that was a tweet i've heard somewhere else that uh, no it's they're going it's gone ahead so do you know more about that
3: i don't and so i was just going to discuss it that's okay. how confusing it is yeah. it's going back and forth and so you've got the aclu national center for lesbian rights lambda legal um, and glad, gay, lesbian advocates and defenders who have all uh, filed lawsuits and uh, together in um, response to this. So we'll see what happens, but. That's what I said was going to happen, you know, um, that day. I said, uh, you know, eight, uh, how, however many transgender military service members that there were that day he put out that tweet, lawsuits are coming. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the response, more lawsuits. I think Donald Trump might have the most lawsuits, pending lawsuits, than uh, than anybody here in this country, maybe. I don't know. Um, pa- yeah. And uh, we, we haven't heard much in, as far as, like, updates on the whole Russia scandal. Uh, although
2: wait a minute
3: wasn't there like uh some you know uh,
2: early morning no knock raid on paul manafort's house yes exactly so paul manafort the former campaign manager of uh, the trump campaign um uh, i guess this happened the day after he testified in secret to or in, you know in, in behind closed doors with uh this one of the i think a senate committee uh the fbi which you know the 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 robert Mueller investigation is different from the congressional investigation so there was a lot of talk after it oh did he say something in that meeting that then got uh, very doubtful because a it would have taken them a while to get the warrant and and all that kind of stuff to do this and b again they're separate conversations but uh they raided his house which does certainly lead you to think that and that has led a number of commentators to say Okay, so they can kind of start to see the coalescing uh, uh, focus of the the Mueller investigation. You know, it's going to center on uh, either on Manafort or on scaring Manafort so much that they can flip him to testify against others. Um, it, it, either way, it's it's getting serious.
3: I love the sound of that. I woke up one morning and wondered, you know. What would happen if uh, this administration or its top leaders were jailed for whatever I don't know criminal activity? I'm not even saying it's a whole Russia thing. Or or if we um, have evidence, you know, that the election was stolen? I mean, does the country allow for this guy to ser- continue serving as as president of the United States if he stole the election? Or he, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, what do we do? I, I, don't know I had either. this. I had this dream that, that, I, that, that one day they could all just go away.
2: <laughs> if, if you want, the, the pessimist uh, view on that is I doubt there's actual legal uh, groundwork laid for that. Just thinking through all the years of this country, both parties, how many rigged elections they had. Sure. Again, you know, If you've ever lived in Chicago, you know what that means. Sure. Um, Sure. <laughs> so so those parties would have been unlikely then to go in and and to establish laws uh, that would overturn the election. It tends to be basically if you get away with it past election day, then you're home free. Um, Trump's problems is that it, we're still finding out whether or not he that, you know, there were actual crimes committed, and also that his own instincts for dealing with things are causing him to have even more trouble.
3: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, there's more thought behind all of what John. Has just said, because he hosts his own political roundtable talk, and that's Fridays at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time here on the Michelle Miao Show. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and listening to us and, and talking about Charlottesville. Be safe out there, everybody, and if you're one of those soldiers who are standing up to this kind of hate, make sure you take care of yourself, you eat something, and you sleep properly. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, on Progressive Voices Network.